from the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. Uh, hello. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. I'm Matt Wilson. How's it going? Today, I wanted to do something that I thought could help uh, dealers. Hold on, let me get a sip of coffee here in my Patriots mug. Hashtag let's go. I want to do something today that I thought could help dealers. And that would be, uh, I'm going to read some reviews uh, online, some dealer reviews online. And maybe we'll talk about how those reviews could have been avoided. What in the process could have prevented somebody from writing that review? And then we'll also um, look at and comment on the dealer's response to the review. And maybe uh, it'll help you out in... Avoiding getting bad reviews, which, uh, you know, some are inevitable, right? People as a whole like to complain. People don't generally go out of their way to write something nice uh, unless prompted. So, you know, you can't avoid all negative reviews. It's impossible. When I was searching for a place to go on my honeymoon like seven or eight years ago, whenever I got married, um, I read a lot of reviews on all the different places, right? And some people are just miserable. You can't do anything about it. Uh, people were complaining like, oh, I had to wait for a table at the restaurant for dinner for 45 minutes. I'm like, who complains about that? At an all-inclusive resort, the booze are free. So some people are just miserable. That's the moral of the story. You can't, you can't avoid all negative reviews. It's not going to happen, but you can try and minimize them. So... Let's talk about some of those here. I'm not going to name the stores because these are real reviews from real stores. And that just seems cruel. So we'll just, um, you know, anonymize them. So this is uh, from somebody named Jim. Scheduled a test drive with a few cars. Arrived on time. The salesperson had no idea it was for two cars. They didn't have either car ready. He only pulled one car around. It wasn't clean at all either. Poor presentation. After I went on the test drive, my salesperson was nowhere to be found. I told another sales guy that I'll be over there because I want to see two more cars. And my sales rep never came back. 45 minutes later, I left. I'll take my money elsewhere where I'm acknowledged. Okay, so the first thing about that is we all know that process is important, right? You, if, if a, The process for a person scheduling an appointment to coming in has to carry over from the person who scheduled the appointment to the person who is meeting with the uh, client when they get there. So the, the receptionist needs to know that person's coming in. The salesperson needs to know that person's coming in. And those cars need to be clean and upfront and ready to go. You can't just read the lead form or write down the notes from the phone call and then make the customer start over from the beginning when they when they come in. That defeats the whole purpose of... The, you know, the VIP experience. So in this situation, the, the communication between whoever made the appointment and who was dealing with the customer when they came in was terrible. And that's a process issue that has to be fixed. And then the dealer's response 
is very generic. Hi there. I'd like to get some more details about your experience with us. If you're willing to give us another chance, please reach out. Here's our phone number to speak to our manager directly, which is generic response, probably posted by a review company, some kind of vendor who handles reviews, which is a whole other subject. And we'll talk about that with a get with the proper guest at some point. But I think they need to, I think reviews should be handled locally, generally, uh, and then need to use names of people. Speak to our manager directly. Should say call and speak to James directly. He's our owner or our general manager. It needs to be more personalized. Okay, next one from Mark. Don't shop here. This place is right out of 1983. Over the top sales tactics from a bygone area and atrocious customer service. I called him to speak to a manager about leaving all kinds of personal information in their pre-owned cars and got hung up on. So that's bad, right? There's not a lot you can do about the bygone uh, you know, sales tactics from a bygone era. That's just culture of the store. But calling a customer back is pretty basic. I called the manager to ask him a question. Sounds like this guy left something in the cars. And I got hung up on. Come on, man. Returning a phone call or answering the phone and answering someone's question. That's pretty basic. I think we all know better than that. Here's another one. This is uh, in Connecticut. I'll, um, I'll block out the towns. Just moved from one Connecticut town closer to another Connecticut town. Wanted to make an appointment for an oil change for the first time here. Lady on the phone asked for the VIN number. After I get the VIN number outside, she asked if I can call back because she had someone else on the other line. Why waste my time if she wanted me to check call? If she wanted me to call back, should have told me before I went looking for the VIN number. Decided to go to another dealership for service. I mean, that's customer service 101, I think, there. Um, if you get busy, obviously, you know, maybe the service department was overwhelmed or they were talking to a call center or a service advisor. Uh, I, I put the person on hold. Listen, I'm really sorry. We're very busy right now. I, I'm in the middle of helping you. I want to take care of you as soon as I can. Would you mind holding on for a few minutes? Call back later is not good. But, if you're even going to do that, get the person off the phone. At least, can you give me your number? I'll call you back within the next 20 minutes, which I don't advise either. But if you're, if you're going to get the person off the phone for one reason or another, call them back. Don't make them call you back. And that's not even an auto dealer thing. That's anywhere, any place you're going to call. Here's another one. Uh, Kathleen posted this. These are all Google, by the way. Not safe. No masks by many or masks pulled under face. All right. I mean, I've seen that going into different places before, right? Non-auto dealers. You walk into a place of business and maybe uh, I'll eat pizza place as an example. I'll go to a pizza place and like it's like nine o'clock at night and the guy behind the counter has clearly given up for the day. You know what? I'm tired of wearing this mask and it's like down around his chin. I it doesn't matter the politics of it, the CDC thing of it. None of that stuff matters. What matters is the customer's perception on the thing. And the perception is it's safe to wear a mask. You should be wearing a mask in your place of business. I don't care about your politics, or your personal life, or your whether or not it's, it's right or not, any of that stuff. I'm talking about the purely the customer service aspect of it. The sign on the door says wear a mask. The employee should be wearing a mask, a mask correctly. Not how Bill Belichick was wearing it in the Patriots game last weekend. Correctly, he had it on over his nose like a beak, like a bird beak with his mouth exposed. That's not the way to do it. If you're 
in a place of business and you're working, you're at a dealership, put it on the right way when a customer walks in. That's just obvious. All right. Uh, this one is posted on Google by John. Very disappointed with this company. Definitely stay away. I saw an offer for a Honda. Went back and forth about three times. 45-minute drive each way. Made a cash deal with them. Told the salesman that I was going to pick it up that evening with my daughter. Have all the paperwork ready and have the car detailed. We arrived there and agreed on the time. Was told that the lady who handled all the paperwork had already left for the day. So I asked, why do they not call first? Why am I making the trip for the fourth time? Overall, shady experience. Anyway, needless to say, won't be buying from them. All right, well, that's another process issue. Is there a board, uh, a, a, a big marker board on the wall, an electronic calendar that has the deliveries or the finance appointments listed? And then when it's time for the finance person to go home, they look at the board or the calendar or whatever it is and say, let's take a look. It's, oh, wait a minute. I can't go. John is coming in to the paperwork on his Honda. Not only that, that's super frustrating too as a customer. If you're making a trip to purchase a vehicle that uh, far away and you have to keep going back multiple times, that's a turnoff. I, I happened to move me with furniture a couple of uh, about a month ago, Labor Day weekend. We were going to buy some furniture, and we were like, "Okay, should we go down to Jordan's Furniture City in in uh, New Haven?" But the guy has the crazy Boston accent, even though he's in New Haven, um, which is forty five minutes from my house. And I was like, "I don't want to go because what if we find the couch we like, but we have to make another trip back here? It's super inconvenient." So I went to a place that was twenty minutes away. Um. So imagine you're going down to, to make an expensive purchase and you got to go back three or four times and you go for the final time to purchase your vehicle and the person that needs to be there to finalize the purchase is not there anymore. That's an organizational problem. A lot of these things I feel like are organizational process issues, just being organized. Like I've said on this podcast before, I'm not an influencer. I'm not a, a, um, a thought leader. I'm just a guy who used to work in radio who works in the auto industry for the last eight or nine years. And my perspective of it is from a customer. I didn't start. I haven't been an auto guy for 30 years. So I'm looking at it from the customer's standpoint. That is super frustrating. And a lot of this stuff is all being organized. Let's get organized, people. I'm an organizational nerd. Super nerd. Nerd alert. A lot of it's just being organized. And getting it all together and organized, that's fun for us nerds. And the dealer responded to that and said, please call me to discuss and work this out. And then left his name and title, but no phone number. So that's not great. Uh, okay, so this is from Steve. Not a single salesperson available to help me for more than 30 minutes from when I walked in, only to be told the car we made an appointment for was sold in the last hour. What upset me the most was how inconsiderate the dealership was. No empathy that the car was sold or any real attempt to show us an alternative. The manager made the receptionist walk us outside to see another car that was trashed, dent in the hood, and dirty food and crumbs all over the interior. Mmm, delicious. Over an hour now at the dealership, oh, this person's writing this from the dealership, which is never a good sign, and no salesperson to ask questions or request to see something else. Complete waste of time, handled very poorly. 
This is how I'm treated the day I was going to spend thousands of my hard-earned cash. How would I be treated in the future? Okay. Well, uh, I mean, a couple things. Listen, we all know that people have a bad day, right? It could be a crazy Saturday. We're end of the month. You got 40 customers. Maybe a salesperson called out sick. And, um, you know, you don't have the resources to handle everything. So a customer ends up having to wait. I get that. That happens. But you know what? You need to have a process in place for if that kind of thing happens. What's our triage process? What do we do on Saturdays if we only have eight salespeople and 40 customers? Here's our process. The receptionist lets people know when they come in. I'm sorry, we're very busy. There's going to be a little bit of a wait. Can I get you a coffee? Can I tell you where the nearest deli is to grab a sandwich? It'll be about so and so, it'll be about 25 minutes. Is that okay with you? You need a plan in place, a triage plan. What do we do in this situation and how do we handle it? And then when that situation presents itself, you execute your plan. I get it. You're busy. A customer waiting around to see a salesperson is not unheard of. But this sales, this customer would have been a lot happier if they knew up front they would be waiting. And if they don't want to wait and they go somewhere else, well, they go somewhere else. But at least they leave you uh, not angrily. This person's angry and never coming back. If they leave because they don't want to wait, they leave. They don't leave with a bad taste in their mouth. And then you have a chance of making them a customer later on. Uh, the manager responded, please call me to discuss with their name and title, no phone number. Uh, here's another one. Excessive dealer fees are excessive. All right. Uh, I went car shopping today and was told the dealer fees were $3,000 more than the price they listed on their website. Without the fees, the price is competitive. With the fees, they lost my business. All right. Well, I've seen, ow, I've seen this kind of thing before. Um, you know, you list the car on the website. Uh, at a low price. So it um, obviously is lower on your website. It's lower on all the cars.coms, car gurus, auto traders of the world. So you get more leads on it. Um, and then a customer comes in and you say, oh, well, the car, that's the price of the car, but it doesn't include, you know, A, B, C, D, and those are mandatory. All right. Well, that's a way to generate traffic and leads. Not the way I would do it, but it's a way to do it. And if it works for your dealership, it works for your dealership. But you need to, Get that taken care of before the customer comes in. On the initial phone call or the lead, you need to say, oh, good. I'm glad you're interested in you know this car at this price. I'm going to tell you that price does not include a couple of things. This car is certified and that's $1,500. And the car needs this and that's $300. And that's the way you're going to do business. Let that customer know up front. Because when they come in, they leave mad. Uh, the, the owner responded, we regret to hear that you had a negative experience with us, but would appreciate the chance to turn your experience around. Please call us with their number of the dealership, uh, no name of a person to contact, and no um, lots of spelling errors, by the way, in the response, which is a no-no. Uh, okay, here's a, here's a review that I wrote for a pizza place. I wrote... Nothing better than going to a restaurant and seeing the woman who's about to ring you up choking down a cigarette out front. No thanks, you can keep the change and don't touch my pizza. Side note, the pizza is delicious. Yeah, that's a pizza place that I don't go to anymore just in case they recognize my name on Google review and then see my debit card and go, wait a minute, that's that jerk who wrote the review. But the moral of the story is, guys, it's the same thing with the car business. You don't want to have five people smoking at the front door and a customer has to walk through a smoke cloud to get in, 
ask the receptionist to see a salesperson, and then a smoky salesperson shows up with the last remnants of smoke coming out of their nose and their nicotine hands and shake hands with the customer and then get in a cramped car for a test drive. I wouldn't do that. If you're going to smoke, smoke out back and then jam 50 Altoids in your mouth because the rest of us can smell that stuff. I'm just saying. That's a good lesson. Uh, here's another uh, review I wrote. This is for a dental place in my, in my, in my uh, state. Great with the kids at this dental place. Overkill on asking you to check in on Facebook when you are there. Who wants all their friends to know every time they're at the dentist? They're one step away from chasing you down the street if you don't do a little free social media advertising for them. Is that snarky? Was I being a little snarky? I apologize if I was being snarky, but it's a good example. Listen, we, we, air quotes, we being dealers, want people to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, go to our Snapjack page or whatever, Snapchat. Yeah, our pages and follow us and interact with us. And that's great. And you can deliver that message in person via telling them signs, emails, whatever. But don't go crazy. Not everybody wants a picture in front of their, of them in front of their car all over the internet. Not everybody wants their business out there. So do what you can to drive those people there, but don't go crazy. Not everybody wants that information everywhere. Uh, the other quick thing I wanted to mention uh, before we uh, end this, I just realized while we are streaming this live right now, I did not hit record for the audio to release it later as a podcast, which is very irritating and uh, happens a lot to me. So I guess this will live on this video forever, but never as a podcast. It's very annoying. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, mention was I was doing some research on a dealer in Connecticut and I was on their Facebook page and I noticed that they had the reviews. So they have like a 2.9 on Google uh, review wise, which is never good. Um, but they had the reviews tab on their Facebook page disabled, which, you know, seemed a little shady from my perspective. But then I was thinking about it. Does a customer notice that? Like, does a like I noticed that because I'm a marketing guy, right? I used to be the marketing director uh, for a, a Nissan group. And under uh, my purview was also, you know, reputation management for a bunch of stores. So me, I go to a store's Facebook page and I go to look at reviews and see that tab disabled. And I think, shady. But does a customer really think that? I don't think so. I don't think a customer searches out and goes, hey, they don't have the reviews tab enabled. That means they're up to something. But I will say, I, this was interesting. I was on the, the Facebook page for a meat sharing company in California, you know, where you like spend 150 bucks a month and they send you like a random 15 pounds of meat. Why was I on that website? Don't ask, but I was. And um, their reviews tab was disabled. And so I was clicking on some of their Facebook posts and people were writing all kinds of angry things and all the comments on their Facebook posts because they were probably clamoring to write reviews, couldn't, and were trying to get their opinion across wherever they could. So disabling your reviews tab, I don't think it's a great idea. People are angry. They're going to get your information. They're going to get their opinion across one way or another. Um, but disabling it, does it leave a negative impression on somebody, the average consumer? I'd say probably not. I'm just hypercritical of that kind of thing. But anyway, thanks for listening to another episode, a short episode of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. I hope this was a little bit uh, informative to you, the dealer, in one way or another. 
More episodes coming up soon. Have a good weekend. Most of the automotive marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by... Wait, this guy has sponsors? Oh, never mind. This sheet of paper's blank. No sponsors. That makes more sense. For updates, info, future episodes, and more, follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, and connect on Frackle. You guys made that last one up. That's not even a thing, Frackle.